Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who has been standing on drawing pins, but it has... Uh, through acupuncture cured his headaches come on should have said that last week it's Richard Harris oh my god hello welcome to the show hope you're uh, all right uh, it's Richard Harris Lester's <laughs> Uh, I just uh, admit to the audience that I had not planned ahead uh, with anything that I was about to come out of my mouth, including who the particular cool kids this week are. But I was hanging around um, <laughs> with uh, CJ Demui uh, when he was he was in a pantomime. It was fine. It wasn't. There was no canals. Uh, and um, he, he calls it Rahulastapa. So that was, that might catch on. Um, and uh, yeah, let's so let's have a little. I said I would talk to this gentleman uh, last week. You came last week, wasn't you? And I said I've been I've been backstage planning, planning all the barbs I've got for you. What's your name, sir? Peter. 
Peter, that's nice. Peter's name's Peter as well. Uh, and um, that's all I've got. It's that's the comedic mind. What do you do for a living? Uh, I work in a bank. You work in a bank? Yeah, which, which, bank, which, uh, brand, which bank is it? Uh, I'm not going to say. You're not going to say? <laughs> when you get into trouble? Yeah. Is it the one that brought down the economy? <laughs> other th- you've done other things. It's the bank, the evil bank of the most evil people in the world. Good. Uh, so... Uh, it's good that you're, because you're not, if people ask for your password and stuff, you're not meant to say, are you? So that is good. You've passed the first test of working in a bank, not telling us which. Because if you told us, we'd know there's no one guarding the bank. We could all go and rob the bank, couldn't we? Uh, what's the most rewarding thing about working in an anonymous bank? Uh, they helped me learn Chinese once. They helped, you learn, they helped you learn Chinese? That's a fucking big clue. That is a big clue. <laughs> That's not the Midland, is it? That's not me. You don't work for the Midland. You don't work for Midland, do you? Don't work for Bradford and Bingley, do you? Do you remember? Talking to Bradford and Bingley, they call it a Halastopus. So it's um, nice to meet you. That's all I can't. There was nothing. You're a nice looking guy. There's nothing to. You remember when I was talking about eggheads a minute ago? So it's, uh, it's um, what? Oh, he went. He just went there, didn't he? And he ruined it. It looked like he was not going to do it. Uh, and some uh, guys here, like the guy with his arms folded, which is always the kind of person I like to pick on, because it's like they're saying, you know, I've had, there's no way you're going to talk to me with my folded arms. <laughs> What's your name? Will. Will. That's good. It's a nice name. And what do you do for a living, Will? You don't work in a bank, do you? Do you? Let me guess. Do you work in IT, Will? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> have you ever considered a career in IT? <laughs> What, so what do you do for a living? Um, you work for a council? You work for a council? In the IT department? <laughs> no. Which council is it? Are you not allowed to say? And you probably shouldn't say, fine. It's a secretive <laughs> front row. It's all these guys together. They're a cabal of the bank, the council. Um, do you do good at the council or are you one of the people who does evil at the council? <laughs> Education. That's hard to take. You know, that's good, Will. I can't take the piss. You've got the moral high ground. Well done. <laughs> I thought of a really nasty thing to say. You know what it was, don't you? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's good. We'll move. We'll move on. Thanks, Will. Thank you. Love to meet you both, Peter and Will. They're nice guys. I don't, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to be mean. That's not, why I'm, that's not what I'm like. So, will you please welcome my guest this week? He is only known... <laughs> As the man from the pot noodle advert. Though, before that, he did, uh, he was one of the writers on the Radio 4 pilot, That's Wiggins Yard. <laughs> it's Peter Bayman, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Peter Bayman. Come in, sit down, Bob. Oh, Peter Bayman. I have done many important adverts. <laughs> <laughs> so, Let's just talk about the pot noodle advert yeah, and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. You were in the pot noodle advert. I was. I was. Do you know, now you live in LA now. <laughs> yes. Do people shout too gorgeous to you in the street quite a lot? <laughs> is that still happening? My, my child does, actually. <laughs> right. I showed it to my daughter a couple of weeks ago, and right. she uh, just is obsessed with it now. So it's punishment all over again. <laughs> 20 years later. Hey, Dada, too gorgeous. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> I used to get ganged up on by Welsh men in Cardiff at the time. That was my punishment for 
as, uh, as pointed at the time for sucking the cock of Satan, as I think yes. you, and, you and Stuart used to tell me. Do you, but do you remember, by the way, um, where I think it was after we shared a flat mm. that I got my own flat with my pop noodle <laughs> billions. <laughs> and um, I came home one night and there were like 18 messages on my answer phone. And the first, I think, was Stuart Lee saying, um, hello, my name's Stuart Lee. Um, um, I hear you suck cocks behind bus stations. Um, and I need my penis sucked. And then it was a, se- a, a series of other people, none of whom I'd ever heard of. And saying, like, excuse me, I have a cock, it needs to be sucked. Preferably behind a bus station. And I was crying by the end of it. <laughs> you know. I don't remember. But I remembered you and I'd forgotten about this. Yes. And I did. <laughs> you and me used to I leave. did do that behind the bus station, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's money, and it? It's all money. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, we used to... Re- we used to- <laughs> yes. We used to... Re- <laughs> We used to leave a lot of messages for each yes, other on yeah. each other's answers. Phones. Horrible ones, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope know. those tapes don't exist on an <laughs> old British do. Telecom answer, answer phone. I alluded to it tapes. in one of the shows, but basically if there was a terrible crime in the news... <laughs> <laughs> we, I'm trying to think what the least offensive one would be. Let's not pick an example right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is being um, recorded. You know it's been recorded. It's been recorded. <laughs> but we're we sorry about killing all those people. <laughs> <laughs> But if you'd like to join me on my next killing spree, just just meet me behind the bus station. And, um, what a wonderful wasted time we had. Terrible, yes, yes. You used to give me a quite a hard time about stealing your bread as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you did For quite a long to. time, yeah. But give it's okay. Some, give me some bread back. You stole yeah. loads of bread. So hey, do you mind if I do an impersonation of you? Or, yeah, or, go, go ahead. You just say, oh, this is going to be really awful, but I... Hey, Pete, you know the bread, Pete? The bread that I left in the fridge, Pete? It was still out this morning, Pete. Do you, uh, do you, do you ever put people's bread away, Pete? Or do you think it's okay just to take it? Yeah. Yeah. I stand by that. Yes. <laughs> That's an impression that makes the person... It makes mm-hmm. you look foolish. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember keeping it's, the bread in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I used to steal your food. Yeah, well, it's fine. Now, what was mine was yours. It was <laughs> fun. We we did share a flat. Yep. We met in um, the early nineties in the <laughs> in the weekending offices in yes. Sixteen Lang- Langham Place, mm-hmm. which is no longer there. Have you been no. back to the BBC recently? I go there now and again. Yeah, it's so been it's destroyed. Sixteen Langham yes, Place. Yes. Because, because of, of the, us. Because of us. Yeah. <laughs> like, like the house where ter- some terrible killings have happened. <laughs> they just yeah. say, we have to knock this down because of yes. the awful people who were once here. We'd always become a tourist attraction. <laughs> yeah. The place where we used to go and make radio shows and then kill people. <laughs> well, if you think about the terrible things that have been done at the BBC and they haven't knocked the places down. Yes. Well, we, must yeah. have done, we must have done something pretty We've bad. Turned so. them into luxury flats, <laughs> haven't they? Television centre. Some yeah. of the things that... But everywhere, everywhere that I worked has been yes. destroyed either by yes. diggers or fire or gentrification. Yeah, a pattern, yeah. 
So the and really, generally, the uh, the riverside in Hammersmith, we did, used mm-hmm. to do loads of stuff there. That's been knocked down. They're t- rebuilding it, turning into flats. Where else? So ITV Studios, where I did Time Gentleman, please. That's about to be redeveloped. Mm-hmm. BBC's been redeveloped. They've knocked down 16 Langham Place. It's like someone is just out there trying to destroy <laughs> all trace of anywhere I ever worked. You wanted a blue plaque instead of which they just bulldoze it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's nowhere to put the blue plaque. We, um, so we met on Weekending. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you enjoy writing for the Weekending um, I don't think I ever wrote anything funny for it, but that wasn't sort of the point, was it? It was about hitting a deadline and writing something involving John Major on a tightrope. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> a political tightrope. And, you know, it was amazing. There used to be these... Do you remember the strange men that were on that show? Well, <laughs> us, do. obviously. But, you know, <laughs> but there were people... There was one guy that used to show me... He had a sketch... But for anyone who doesn't remember, which is because it was like 20 years ago, wasn't it? It was a topical weekly sketch show. On Radio 4. On Radio 4. And you could go in, anyone could go in. Any crazy person. Into the office and, and write for it. Yes. And men would turn up with cans of beer in bags <laughs> and just write terrible sketches and they'd get on. Um, that was me, obviously. And, um, um, but people would turn up. Unless this one man would have a sketch about the NHS, a political sketch, and he would just get it out once every three months because the, they would change producers and then he would just give the sketch in again. And he would laugh wickedly to me and go, they don't know that I got this sketch on and I got paid £10 for it three months ago. <laughs> I think, you're not, you know, it's not that impressive. <laughs> I was talking about this, I was, I was being interviewed by James O'Brien this afternoon, so we talked about weekending and all that early time. And it was yeah. sort of insane. We were paid like, per minute yes and it was 22 pounds a minute i think yes. you got paid and like so a week where you didn't mm. get anything on was yes. like that you didn't have like a potato that week yes you got know, one you know not you but it's uh it's it was sort of a, a weird time you cut an unusual route into comedy peter in mm-hmm. that you're the only comedian i know who has a license to drive a super tanker That's you're correct. in the you're in the merchant navy yeah. The notorious stranglehold of the Merchant Navy has on British comedy. The elite. (laughs) Strange racist sailors of the Merchant Navy. How long long were you in the Merchant Navy for? Five years. uh, So out of school? Was it straight out of school? Yeah, 16. It was a completely ridiculous idea. I wanted to go... I wanted to see the world. And nobody, (laughs) for for a second, took me aside and said, have you heard of interrailing? (laughs) You know, maybe just, you know, get a, get a backpack and go around Europe for a bit, instead of which I joined a, a chemical tanker company. And, um, and I remember, like, just before I, I went off on my first trip, I said to my dad, Dad, I'm not sure about this. And he said, no, you should go. And I think maybe just hated me or something. <laughs> and so I kind of went off and was, cried. I wasn't, like, it wasn't like I was built for it or look at me like you know it was ridiculous and I'm not a, I'm a terror I'm five years in and my wife now just still on a daily basis can't believe that I had a I was qualified to navigate super tankers she thinks it's fucking how hard is it because we had Mackenzie it's Cook on the other week who can drive a tube train right but it took him ten minutes to learn how to do that okay. is it the same with the super tanker yeah, well I can't navigate a Toyota you know with, <laughs> with the GPS in it and okay. um, maybe, um, it's really hard and you have to learn to navigate by the stars <laughs> and you operate, you know, radar and all these kind of things. And yeah. I was just, I was awful at it. And I also, the trouble is that the, the two most important words in the Merchant Navy were, well, there were other ones, but um, <laughs> common sense. And it was just, it was the currency of, the, of the, all those worlds where it's about 
knowing what you're doing and having practical solutions to those yeah. things. And I would be sent off to go and get a spanner and they would just find me more or less crying in the engine room because <laughs> I'd panicked and couldn't find a spanner and then they'd come and find me and then I'd get told off. And I nearly hit a ferry on my first, the first time I was on it. I would have been responsible for an international incident <laughs> if I hadn't quite properly been fired five years in. Very so you're happy. fired? Well, made redundant. I'm glamorising it. I was made redundant. <laughs> Did they say, you'll never drive a super yeah, tanker again? You are an idiot. Well, I think they probably realised I was a twat and was just terrible at it. <laughs> But, and know. did you see the world? Or did you just, I did, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you I get to we... come out, get out of the super tanker when I you did. got somewhere? Yeah. Occasionally, yeah. And on my first trip away, the exciting thing was that the rudder fell off my ship. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do it. It fell, off the, it fell off the ship in the South China Sea. And I was floating. I, well, <laughs> the ship was floating. I wasn't personally floating. But the ship was floating for about two weeks. And my dad got a telegram... <laughs> That's how long ago this is and how yeah. old I am. My dad got a telegram addressed the next of kin of Peter Bainham. He <laughs> <laughs> said, regret. You know, it's probably like, stop, regret. Your small son lost at sea, stop. You know, that was kind of it. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And that was my first, that was my first trip. <laughs> you know? Did yeah. you say it's my first day? It's my yeah, first day, yeah. Not that so well. So um, I did hit that ferry and the yeah. <laughs> terrible. Um, and I got poisoned with benzene. I once. Um, I once. Um, I was once standing for no decent reason in two feet of water with an electric drill, and um, you know, there's a button you can press on a drill. You can take your finger off the trigger, so the drill bit keeps. Yeah, turning, and I had that. Op- Obviously, when you're standing in water, what you don't want to be able to do is to turn off the drill. And so, I put it in the hole that I was drilling, and that got stuck in the thing, started spinning around, and then fell into the water. And that was—I think—that was still my first trip, you know. Um, so, why I'm alive, who knows? But we did five years. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. It was, yeah. Well, I could. I tried to. I wanted to leave after two years. And, it was the, the height of Thatcherism and there were no jobs and my dad said, well, you, even though he got a letter addressed to next of kin. <laughs> I think after my first trip I came home and said, Dad, I'm not sure this is for me. He said, no. <laughs> you made a choice. You stick to it. And so I went back and, you know, and, yeah. and then five years in, I, just, I was so shit at all of it. Really bad, you know. Um, and somehow I qualified, and once I qualified, you know, and that's when I nearly hit the ferry, and that's when we parted company. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so what, yeah. what then drove you into, week, into the world as a weekend? Yes, well, that, 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 that was the only other choice. That was the, the only other way to go to see the world, was to go to... <laughs> it was a, well, it's worked. Yeah. It was a long way round, but it did. Yeah, yeah. Interrailing round the... No, I, I, um, I sort of the... I'll try and do the... the the short, semi-interesting version was like, I came, I went to London with my redundancy check and had some vague idea of wanting to be in some form of entertainment. And right. I think you might have, but a lot of comedy people I've met had the same book, which is from Fringe to Flying Circus. Yeah, yeah. The book. It seems to be every comedy person had this brilliant book about yeah. the comedy family tree from Beyond the Fringe through to um, Monty Python's Flying Circus. And I had a vague idea from that of like, oh, well, there's this this world but I, I, even though I knew there was stand-up and I knew there was comedy yeah. in Wales where we didn't have electricity and <laughs> you know um, th- there was no awareness of like 
going into that world. So I came up with a very vague idea. I did amateur theatre for a bit, and that was just terrible. I tried to get into RADA. Right. It was just, you know, ridiculous. So you were still 21 when you came yeah, into yeah, 21, London, 22, yeah. 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 yeah, But I had the, no idea whatsoever. And then my uh, brother saw an advert for Kit Hollerback's, you know, Kit Hollerback, um, improv comedy workshop at the comedy store. On a Saturday morning, I went there. It was people. It was Mike Myers, right? Mike Myers, and there was Paul Merton, and there was all these brilliant people. And that was just like, oh, okay. And then I found out about stand-up from that. Right. And then when stand-up was a disaster, another five years in, because <laughs> I was terrible at stand-up, I found out about weekending. That's so. Uh, were you doing characters? Because you did characters when I saw you doing. Yes. So you do on the stand-up circuit yeah, doing. Yeah. I don't know all this about you. Oh, you do? No, I don't really know what you were doing before I met you. I wasn't interested. I never asked you about them. (laughs) Just so you could drive a super tanker. You've never asked me. You've never been interested until this moment on a stage where you... just go, where's... It's because there was so much... The the bread was out. And by the time... Yeah. By the time we got through that, I'm going, oh, oh, he's got to go. He's gone out now. I was going to ask him about... Yeah. So were you doing Mr. Buckstead? I was doing Mr. Buckstead, the Welsh maths teacher. Yeah. Um, Which... 40% 40% of the time would go okay, yeah. and 60% of the time would die horribly. And I heard it a couple of months ago, on the, on, just online, and I was appalled. It was so <laughs> horrible. It was a really unpleasant man who would just kill people with hammers. It was very, right. you know, yeah, and it was like, you know, and I, I, I stopped it. I'm not, I'm terrified of stand-up, and I yeah. tried to hide behind carriages, and the one carriage I hid behind was a... A murderous maths teacher. You know, <laughs> but I was—I didn't like stand up, and I did. I sort of tried mm. to do characters and tried to do myself, and yeah. did myself with the, like a Somerset accent because I was sort of hiding yeah. behind that. And it's you know it was really difficult. But then we, mm. we sort of, when we a bit further on when we sort of started going to Edinburgh and doing shows mm-hmm. in Edinburgh, you were doing. I remember you did like a Tory politician. Oh yeah. Do you remember that character? Oh. And you'd go if it's a crime. To kill five people with a hammer, I don't know whatever it was, then lock me up. <laughs> it was that sort of thing, wasn't it? Do you remember yeah. that guy? I don't. No, okay. I don't remember a whole because character. I, that I, I think, like, you yeah. was in club, you probably were a little bit involved in Club Z was, and things yes. like that. Yeah, and then, yeah, but yeah. you also, in Edinburgh, you did this late night thing with where you were monsters. Yes, Monsters in the Attic, which yeah. became this strange thing that I well, did. Well, it was a sort of cult, Edinburgh yeah. sort of smash yeah. thing was... that you just decided to do on the spur of the moment, was that Yeah, right? and in that strange kind of, like, viral thing of... not Well, there's all kinds of viral things at the Edinburgh Festival, but <laughs> <laughs> actually metaphorically viral. But um, uh, I, I, I'd done this thing to entertain my flatmates, Woody Bot Muddy, the uh, oh, yes. record graveyard comedian, yes. and I used to entertain them at night by just transforming into these disgusting, horrible monsters, which is like, <laughs> and, and for some reason that got turned into a whole show. <laughs> and, <laughs> but it was a one-off. Yeah. And, um, up in that really yeah. hot attic up mm. in the Pleasance, yeah. I but remember. I remember like doing it and then actually physically vomiting straight afterwards, because I'd, like, I'd had a giant bag of curry and chips just before it. <laughs> Oh, happy! What happy mm. days they were, Pete! What wonderful, what wonderful <laughs> days they were. Um, so I would love. This is something I want to ask you. Yeah. Now it's not. Have you? Uh, are you aware of the porn actor uh, Jean Valjean? I mean, you probably wouldn't know no. his name. I've had right. to look up his, his name. Right. I think he looks like a sort of really buff version of you. Really? Yeah. And I'd like people to Google Google that. And the problem is, there's a yeah. character in Les Misérables called Val, Val, Jean Valjean. I think he's copied that name right. the way that porn actors sometimes do. But he hasn't yeah. done a spin on it. He's just called himself... The, unless in France, Jean Valjean means 
like John, I felt women up the arse, John. Yes. Which he does a lot. Right. <laughs> I think he looks like a super handsome version of you. Mm-hmm. And it really puts me off. Really? Yeah. I can't watch anything he does. Because all the time I'm watching him. Would it be less distracting if it just was me? <laughs> well, I just wondered if you'd ever been mistaken for Jean Valjean. He's like a no. friend. He's good. He's a good yeah. actor. Yes. I think he's. I looked up. I looked him up a bit. I think he right. gave up porn to become an actual actor because yeah. he's surprisingly good. Right. Uh, but you know. It's, yeah, sort of, it's, it's ruined quite a lot of evenings it's for not me. me. I just wondered if people. I'll look him up. Will you write that? I wonder if people have mistaken you yes. for. If you imagine that really handsome version of you, right. do you think I could? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it would be strange if I watched it and was, <laughs> found it quite exciting. What? Uh, what? Look him up. That's a very specific fetish. <laughs> I just wondered if anyone only else porn actors that look a bit, a little bit like a better, better looking version. Of he's you. very. I mean, no, he's very muscular. Right. But he's okay. got. He's sort of got your face yeah, and some yes. of your mannerisms. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and he, when he's fucking someone in the ass, yes, I reckon that's how you would fuck someone in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still watch it, and I, you know, I managed to. Yes. I mean, when you say my manager, does he stop midway in fucking the woman up the house and say, have you seen my wallet anywhere? Or... He does not find my phone. He leaves the bread out a lot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's yeah. making a sandwich. A woman comes in. He starts yes. having sex there. Right. I'm going, oh, mate, put the yeah. bread. Let's put the bread put... back in the fridge. <laughs> Before he can say to the I've just left the yeah. bread out. My flatmate is very fussy about this. <laughs> I'm sure it must have, that must have happened. Okay. Um... Mm. So when we did share a flat together, then yes. there's a story that's been told many times by many. Mm-hmm. It's like become a legend. It's been told by many different people. Stuart Lee wrote about it in one of his books, wow. but got it wrong because he said that I said the pertinent thing. Mm-hmm. I did it in my show. We're all going to die, and I would like to hear your version of the story okay. of me returning from my grandfather's funeral to the flat we shared. Right. What? What are your memories of that, <laughs> that, that moment? moment. <laughs> well, I. Th- I remember you going through the, the build-up to it. It's the wrong word, I suppose, isn't it? With the, the whatever. Um, and at the it time, wasn't the FA Cup. Yes, it wasn't it the, the FA Cup around, days. Like, you know, He's still alive. Yeah, there wasn't a commentary. <laughs> but I remember you at that time. You know, when you're talking about the bread, there would be times when you would perhaps taunt me and say, like, are you doing any more pot noodle, lads? Pete, are you going to suck any milk cogs behind bus stations? <laughs> Pete, you know, you can steal my bread, Pete. And you came in, <laughs> and you did look admittedly very sad. Yeah, I've just been at my granddad's sad. funeral. Yeah. And you, you said to me, my granddad's just died, Pete. <laughs> and do you think that's funny, Pete? <laughs> and it was... The, it was the, the way you said it was so <coughs> taunting. I don't know. I don't, maybe you weren't actually taunting me. But there's something about it you were daring me to say that's funny and then I so I said um, I don't think it's funny but I am delighted <laughs> um, and I think I felt I, I like to think that you bullied me into saying that <laughs> but you didn't but You've then since, since said that you laughed and cried at yeah, the same I'd time. Yeah, <laughs> it's a brilliant. I mean, delighted is such the perfect word. It's right. not. <laughs> it's not anyone else say I'm happy? Yes. I'm glad that happened. I'm yeah. Delighted. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I genuinely did. Yes. I laughed. I don't think it's, yes. it's quite hard to do to laugh and cry. But I laughed and I cried, and it wasn't tears of laughter, it was tears yes. of sadness. <laughs> but I was still laughing. A very funny thing to say. Wasn't the clue that I, at the time when you asked me, I was dressed as a 19th century fop? <laughs> I draw my face. Yeah. But then, um, your, but then your dad died. Yes. And then the, we sort of the reverse mm-hmm. thing. You then came into the kitchen. Yes. Quite sad for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I did, you know, and I was very upset as well because I knew yeah. your dad. And then you said, "Are you delighted?" <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think because in the book it comes I, it, Stuart mm. writes as if I did the funny line oh, and right. I didn't do the funny line and then you said yes I and I punched you yeah. <laughs> I think I went oh god no, no. <laughs> because you have human decency <laughs> and I am delighted by the death well, but, nice old men but, you know that's the way it's interesting it's the way comedy people yeah. are together is yeah. that you will I don't know and, and, and the way of getting through anything and that's yeah. We had a very kind of dark sense of humor. Well, I don't even think it's 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 not even like the thing I I get annoyed at when people say you can't joke about these things is as if when those things are happening, when bad things are happening, as if funny stuff stops happening. It doesn't stop happening. It's not like the universe decides right nothing funny is going to happen right now. Yeah. And so when my father was dying, like all kinds of ridiculous stuff was happening at any one time and it's not that funny but I mean the night before my dad died me and my brother were like so stressed because we'd been in the hospice for like 10 days with the family and all around the bedside and I'd made the goodbye speech to my dad four times and, I can, and, I, and by the fourth time he basically sat up and said I know you fucking love me <laughs> just leave me alone <laughs> please and and you just get, you know, life, it's not even like funny things happen, like life just continues. And it's very weird. And you go for a walk or you're hungry or something like that. I remember going, the night before uh, my dad died, me and my brother were just, everyone was just stir crazy. We went out for a curry and I had a very hot curry. And then there was a tiny ensuite toilet in the room where my dad was dying. And it's not... It's just, this is literally the dictionary definition of too much information, but I had terrible diarrhea. And then I had to get think this is awful, but then somebody's got it worse very close to me. <laughs> you know. I think like that Catherine might have been why he decided to go, I'm not hanging around with us. Yes. I got, I, shot, I got really annoyed at the hospital news. I said, what about me? Why <laughs> him? I've got really bad, my bottom really stings, you know. I want some palliative care as well. And, No, it's all for him. <laughs> it's good. I, you've worked with uh, all the big names in comedy. Um, and make, like an incredible list. Mainly, Lee and Herring is the, yes. ma- the main. I don't know anyone the main, else that That's yeah, the main yeah, one yeah. you've worked with. Do you remember the tour that we <laughs> went together? I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so we no, went. We before like, and it was. It was uh, it was maybe on the radio, but I don't think we were mm. on the TV, were we? Do you think when we did the, that tour? I um, think it was ninety. I found a review. Yes, Someone sent me a review of it. I think it was ninety four. So it was before mm. it was like the radio. We'd done the wow, radio yeah. shows, and you were doing Peter, this very mm. brilliant character. Oh, thank you. Um, that was probably the high. In fact, uh, there was a review. Someone sent me this review from the Leeds student newspaper. There was a bit. So you know, 
Lee and Harry, we're not sure, but they're brilliant, hilarious. Right. Peter came on and did this, uh, and then they were very rude about the open. We used to have an open spot on that tour. Do you remember that? Oh, was it somebody that's now really famous? No, no, it wasn't. It was like every we'd go around different student yeah. unions, and then there would be an open spot from that student union. Oh. I'd completely forgotten about that. Wow! Oh. Uh, and then this, <laughs> if you were lazy to this, although what did she say? She said my. Uh, he said in the review it says I'm more handsome than my self-depreciating comments <laughs> would suspect right. which I quite like the idea of being self-depreciating <laughs> yeah. is better than self-deprecating <laughs> it's sort of true I am yeah. self-depreciating it's wow. <laughs> like underconfident self-deprecating <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah there, it was a, but there was there was a one performance of that where you where it was I can't remember where it was but it wasn't going very well and you you were running where you ran away oh yes oh, god <laughs> And actually ran off the stage and yeah. disappeared, and you were yeah. meant to come back at the end and didn't come back on at the end. Yeah, that was very, yeah. I yeah. Mean, so that, what happened in that gig? That, that... I think I just blanked and panicked. It <laughs> probably will happen during this interview. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bring no, up I'm any. Just like, I, I get very scared. And they were scary very... gigs, so we were not mm. well known. Yeah. And we were travelling around to student unions, some of yes. which I can't. I get confused because we did so many of these tours, yes. and sometimes Kevin was with us, and sometimes Richard Thomas was with us, and sometimes yeah. you were with us. And you know, sometimes you'd turn up at a place, and there was lit, they, they, the rugby club were in the bar, yeah. and you were still expected to perform in a corner of the bar. Oh, God, that's so those were those were some tough ones. No, yeah. no, I remember at the same around about the same time doing the Comedy Network tour. With, oh yeah with Malcolm Hardy and Woody Bot Muddy <laughs> yes. and just getting to places where it would just be a it would be freshers week and there would be just a riot and Malcolm Hardy would just say alright no about and then we'd do his whole thing where he would just <laughs> drop his trousers and show his gargantuan yeah. penis to the audience and, and I think I need a new uh, I was going to say the new direction but it's the whole that rubbish old joke anyway. <laughs> it was um, happy times yeah. yes happy times touring the yeah. country yeah. It, was it, was a, it was a weird thing yeah. um, but you have you, in all seriousness mm. so you did radio stuff and TV mm. stuff with Chris Morris yeah and uh, Armando Iannucci mm. and um, you've obviously been working with uh, well, and Alan Partridge so you wrote the sitcom of I'm Alan Partridge mm -hmm. so you took over the day to day when me and uh, Stu got kicked off it Right. You, yeah. you took to, you took our place. Yeah. Have you come to shame me for yeah. that? Yeah. And then it. ended That's up writing "I'm Alan Partridge" and yes. going to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> nice to know where stealing your life. <laughs> it's nice to know where my career would have gone <laughs> right. if we hadn't had that argument. But I'm not happy. No. No. <laughs> Um, no, but so you ended up, you wrote I'm Alan Partridge, which is one of the greatest sitcoms ever. Oh, thank you. It's really good. Thank you. There's bits in, the, in it that, there's a bit in I'm Alan Partridge where <laughs> no, someone, comes up to, <laughs> someone comes up to Alan Partridge and says, are you Alan Partridge? And he goes, yes. And they go, oh, you dropped your credit card. Mm -hmm. That happened to me! Yes. That's my story! <laughs> And there's a bit. And I I'm... want to apologise for that. I really do. <laughs> That's my because I sub. I do think I subconsciously stole that from your <laughs> you life, or, or consciously. <laughs> subconscious is the cowardly way of saying. Well, but what about the but... bit, the very famous scene where Alan Partridge goes back to the fans' house and there's all the posters mm -hmm. and. Yeah. Mannequins mm. that basically happened to Stuart. So Did that's, it? yeah. So Stuart right. went back. To, not exactly. Yeah. He didn't run across the. Oh my god! I field. didn't know that one. Did you not? Really? I no, thought really? I assumed you must have known. He went, Stuart, no, no. and well, we talked about this a lot on this podcast because mm. uh -huh. it's a well, it was a, it was a, it's an amazing okay. story that keeps giving. Yes. In that 
it was the it was this night that Stuart had where he was locked out of his bed and breakfast. So a fan said, "Come back and stay." But guy, oh, guy yeah, being in his yeah. gig said, "Come back and stay at our flat." Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were posters of Stu all over the wall in the house and uh, all of the guys flatmates were watching Animal Farm the porn film I don't I don't think Jean Valjean's in that one he would have probably been a bit young at the time Uh, uh, so it was kind of a weird experience Mm -hmm. but but subsequently it turned out the student was oh my god I'm going to forget his name Christian O'Connell the uh, the DJ Christian O'Connell who follows me on Twitter does he yes (laughs) I followed so, him back. So, so. I thought Christian O'Connell had um, been the inspiration for that guy. So in, he was the man that had. He was the yeah. man fan. Wow. Yeah. But no. he says that he had posters of all different comedians up there. Right. And he didn't have a tattoo. I don't think of Stu on his. Right. <laughs> it's I genuinely yeah. thought, I thought you'd. I thought you'd, that had been I an inspiration. Honestly, I don't think so. I, the, 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 no, because I think it might have been already in the show when I came on because they they right. they worked up a couple of storylines okay. already. Is my fame. <laughs> <laughs> well, all yeah. these things, but every, you know, yeah. we all we worked together. I've done still we worked together so closely in all that time. Mm-hmm. You know, then we were yeah. li- literally. I was living with Stu, then I was living with you, yeah. and you know, so we were in, in each other's pockets, stealing each other's bread. Yes, and um, and material and lives. so you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of crossover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did Patrick Marber genuinely? Um, there was a recent story that came out that Patrick Marber was furious when he read first read the scripts of I'm Alan Partridge he didn't like it yeah the yeah yeah he came in and basically said this is all this none of this works <laughs> <laughs> and we we I remember us we we'd worked really hard on the first couple of episodes and we and he, he came in to the rehearsal room and I think I think we I think they acted I think the cast actually Acted out for him, and he basically said, "No, this is a this is a disaster," <laughs> and we were all very depressed and thought, "Fucking," because he said it in a very confident way. Yeah, and um, uh, and then the next morning we just came in and we went, "We think he's wrong. <laughs> we think that's shit. We think it's good." And so we then carried on, and then we 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 made it. You know? Yeah, we did. Yeah, mm-hmm. you did make it. I've seen us. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Spoilers. Yes. Anyone <laughs> who hasn't seen, seen it yet. So it was interesting because Patrick was sort of like, a, didn't write that he was just, he was involved in the previous, in the Know Me Knowing You. Is that right? So yeah. he didn't no, really he was in, or did he write he was some... in it for a bit. They developed a few storylines right. for like about the first uh, three episodes, I think, or three or four episodes. And, um, and so I came in and they had like, they had, a, you know, the bones of, you know, a few of those episodes and then we, you know, yeah. did a lot of improv and a lot of writing and rehearsing and, you know. But you performed it. it, so you do, in the 90s you were doing quite a lot of performance. Mm-hmm. You were in Friday Night, Saturday Night Armistice, mm-hmm. the arch satirical show. <laughs> <laughs> and you were, yeah. you know, you're doing, you were, you, there's a bit where you're in mm-hmm. I'm Alan Partridge doing mm-hmm. the voice thing in your throat. Yes, yeah, that was fine. They couldn't do that now, could you? Mm-hmm. Political correctness gone mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, do you mean? I mean, you still do little bits and pieces I mean, mm-hmm. in, in certain things you've written, but do you miss mm-hmm. the performing? Are you glad that you've gone mm-hmm. to writing? Not really. I don't, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I get scared. And for, <laughs> before my dad died, the last thing I did before my dad passed away. <laughs> the last thing was, he said to you was, don't do that pot noodle <laughs> That was his, the, the funny thing was that he, the, the pot noodle, I, I think that was his proudest. Because his, his friends down the pub could go, I saw your, saw your son on the telly. It's good. They're funny. Gorgeous. Funny, that, isn't it? They're funny. I'm, 
<laughs> they are funny. I watched. They're all on YouTube. You can go and look at you them. All. They're all good. It's really but, funny. Um, um, no, gangs of Welshmen would corner me in the streets in Cardiff, and they would say, um, "You're the bloke from the yard." And I say, "Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah." Do the, do, you know, say the catchphrase. <laughs> Too gorgeous. <laughs> in the voice. <laughs> this is really frightening men. I go. Yeah. Too gorgeous, and then they just buy me a drink. But, yeah. um, but my dad, no, the last thing I did before my dad passed away was uh, I played a pimp in the bill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As he was like slipping away. <laughs> you never knew. Well, you know. Um, but no, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm quite scared of it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I get scared when I go to my daughter's school, and like they, my daughter's school in, in LA, they, they, you for their birthday, you read a book to them. And when I'm reading, you know, just read a chapter of a book, and I just think, even like some kids in kindergarten, I just think they're going to shout, get off your shit! You know? <laughs> I think that's, that, that, that's that, that, going through that kind of baptism of fire of doing stand-up in the early yeah. 90s, which we both did, and I had a, t- I had a horrible time doing stand-up on my own. Yeah. And we had a horrible time doing Lee and Herring some of the time. And mostly it was, it was better with Lee and Herring. But yeah. it's, you know, that's a very hard thing to shake off. And mm-hmm. you've got, I suppose you do need to... There's a certain... To carry on being a performer, yeah. I think there is a certain level of I need, you know, I I can get through this and I yeah. will get through this and I'll get through to the the bit where it doesn't mm-hmm. ha- harm me anymore. So yeah, I've got huge such admiration <clears throat> for what you do because I like you know I listen to your podcast and I listen to Mark Maron and it's like I hear people and you you know I heard you saying you know earlier like when you you know you don't want to do anything else yeah and I'm not you know I'm I don't want to do anything else but right yeah you know and it's just so because i just it, my skin would like I'd, I, I would turn up at gigs and presumably you don't get this because you like doing it <laughs> or do you do you get i mean i don't get nervous I, I would get so on a saturday years after i stopped doing it yeah i would just have that feeling on a saturday when i typically have a gig of like uh, and then i think oh, i don't have to do anything <laughs> i'd be so happy and yeah. i think all right that was an indication that it wasn't the life for me but, i mean i think I, I really like writing as well mm-hmm. I'm, you know i'm not i haven't had anywhere near the same kind of level mm-hmm. of success of you at that but it's but i think if i don't perform yes. and it doesn't have to be a big deal thing when i came back to doing stand up in like 2004 mm-hmm. um, i just sort of realized even if i just went and did a little gig above a pub to six people that was en- that was enough Right. I remember. I remember passing the mm-hmm. Hampstead Apollo, and Jimmy Carr was on, and I went to. I went round the corner to a yes. pub, and literally six people in the audience. Wow. And I was thinking, I'm just as ha- generally I'm just as happy as doing <laughs> right. this. I've also have done. I played the Hampstead Apollo like for five minutes, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying I wouldn't do it if I got the chance. But as long as I got that, you know, scratch that itch, yeah. I, I then don't mind spending a couple of months at home writing. But I, I mm-hmm. find writing. You find this, but you write quite collaboratively with people, don't you? Yeah. So I just find, and I don't anymore. I just find it quite lonely, and that drives me mad. Mm-hmm. That sort of sitting mm-hmm. down process of really. No, I, li- I, I, I like both. I mean, I'm quite weirdly self-contained and just like a strange hermit man. That I like being at home, yeah. on my own, looking at porn with men. <laughs> look up look a little bit like buffed versions of me. <laughs> of course, I know him. I've got every one of that guy's films. <laughs> He's I'm, welcome to come the podcast. I'm on it. I'm doing a new pot, pot noodle ad so that I can earn money to have plastic surgery <laughs> to look like that man. Um. He's got a very cheeky little look to him. What he's, what he, he's got a little cheeky look. He's, he's, right. he's very good. They're not... Like, yeah. Many of the actors in those films aren't... Yes. You know, I have to say the acting is poor. 
yes. the actual acting bits, and I like the acting bits. Right. More, if I'm honest, than the sex bits. So you watch. I should one... just watch regular dramas. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you watch the old well, fashioned like ones with the storyline? With the story. I, like, you watch them I want the ones with the story, and then when the story stops, I get bored. Yes. I right. like the story. <laughs> then they yes. start having sex with people in their anuses. Oh, come on. Yeah. No need for that. <laughs> <laughs> don't need, you don't need to show it. And just elude. Mm. <laughs> he could go, I'm about to fuck right. you. Yes. Crossfade. <laughs> Oh, it was good when you crap fucked me in the ass. Yes, it was. <laughs> Too gorgeous. Um, <laughs> no, I, am, I do understand that, and I think again, as you know, it's, it is. I, I, that's it, it, it's a nice thing to be able to work it in your home and be with your family. Mm. And your home is now in Hollywood. Mm. Well, uh, since uh, I mean, no, they've got Hancock, but it's close to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah it's okay. like you know, but it's quite hideous. It's like it's, I mean, there is obviously glamorous bits there, but yeah. like when I first drove down Sunset Boulevard, it's a shit. It's like a posh shanty town. It's kind of weird. It's not. <laughs> I mean, I'd like it there because I like the hills and the, it's, it's sunny and all that. But it's kind of you know, it's it's not pretty, and it's like it's no. funny how it's <clears throat> got that because the movies get made there, but it's kind of. Kind of a dump, a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you um, got nominated for an, an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So did you go, you must have gone to the Oscars that year mm-hmm. for yes. Borat. Yes. How much of Borat was written, though? Because it was, mm. felt like a very improvised mm. film. Well, it was a lot, a lot of it was written. Because yeah. it was like, a lot of it was like, uh, we, well, the storyline was completely, we, we worked on that for about six months. Because yeah. like we, cause the original plan when, he, when I went out there was that he, he'd been trying to do it a different way, but he had a director who then left the, the movie who right. said right we're just going to show up at different places and you know you're going to just fuck about with people and then we're going to make a movie out of it and that that wasn't working so right. when I came in we sat down and worked out a storyline we basically stole the plots of eight road movies and we, right. you know and just watched like planes trains and automobiles and things like that and we then worked out a structure and then it became things like well we had a wall of things that basically it was just excuses to go to a mega church, excuses to have a naked fight or excuses for yeah. whatever, to have a driving lesson. So we would do things like, well, we want him to go to a mega church and fuck about with Christians. So where's... And all right, we'll, get, we'll take the low point of the movie when he's down on his luck and that's the good place right. to get Jesus. And so it was a lot of that trying to figure out, oh, we wanted him to meet some racist frat boys. Yeah. So we think, well, when's a good time? So then, all right, he's lost his... He's, he's lost his dream of meeting Pamela Anderson, which he believes will happen. Yeah. So he can meet some frat boys. And then, and then we would structure it so that he would say to them things that then would move the story along. Okay. Yeah. So he would say things like, my, I'm, going to meet, uh, I'm, I'm going to meet my wife in... I'm not going to try the accent, but I'm going to meet my wife <laughs> in, in Los Angeles. I am trying the accent. You are trying it. You could have done that. You could have been boring. Bob Dylan, same impression. So he would say, like, I, he'd you know, say to some frat boys, yeah. I'm going to meet uh, my girl. And then he'd show them a picture, and then they'd say, she's not, you're not going to marry her. And so... And then each day he would go filming, we'd have like a, a ton of material that was prepared. But then he would then obviously yeah. improvise around it brilliantly. Yeah. And how did you feel at, when you were at the Oscars? <laughs> did that, you know, it's it was like... strange. Yeah. Very strange. Because yeah. usually I yeah. say to people, you know, like lots of people who are in Hollywood films and that I interview on this are all like, yeah. yeah, no, it's all... 
<laughs> it's all normal being in yeah. hanging out with fucking crazy. celebrities. <laughs> but I, I just ridiculed by everyone. I was ridiculed by everyone I knew because I turned up with my well, them girlfriend and my wife. We turned up so early and walked, did the line, you know, the interview, and they like when they and technically very they. Technically, they, if you're nominated, they have to let you go along that line. Right. <laughs> but nobody, like a writer on that, which a movie that wasn't going to win, would do that. Because why would Ryan Seacrest, well, a bad example, but why would, <laughs> why would one of those people want to interview you, but they technically, so you go along the line, and it was, it was ridiculous. But I, I went a bit, if I had my time again with that, I would just obviously accept the fact that you're not going to win, because... You know, a Martin Scorsese film is also in the running, so it's nice to get nominated. <laughs> yeah. People said to me, like, just enjoy it. You fucking nominated for Oscar. Yeah. But I panicked and thought we might win, so then became slightly obsessed with the idea of winning. And what can we do to win? Uh, yeah. And I nearly hired a PR person, but didn't, because that would be <laughs> so stupid. Because we weren't going to win. But, yeah. but it, was, it was nuts. I took my mum to the Oscars luncheon. And she met um, Clint Eastwood. Okay. <laughs> and actually my mum, and I've got a picture at home with my mum with Clint Eastwood. And she, she passed away a couple of years ago. And, uh, but one day when she was I'm back... I'm delighted, in, Pete. Sorry. Um, but I got this picture of my mum that she had uh, in her flat in Cardiff, right. uh, in her sheltered accommodation flat in Cardiff. And one day a carer came in and saw a picture of my mum with Clint Eastwood. He said, oh, that's lovely, though. Did you go to Madame Tussauds? <laughs> and, and my mum said, no, that's, I met Clint Eastwood in, in L.A. And the carer went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course you did. Oh. Uh, yes, <laughs> that was good. That was the best thing. I wish I could have enjoyed it more. It was stupid. It's, it's so it's, ridiculous. It's so you know. It's yeah. so. I mean, it's I think anyone, it. especially like if you and I don't mm. picture like this, but anyone yes. who knew you as Peter from this, <laughs> I know, like, yeah. the idea of you living in Hollywood <laughs> yes. with an Oscar nomination, yes. and, you know, it's so or yes. the two gorgeous man. It's so one. Yes. You know, it's wonderful mm. and and it's utterly deserved. Um, and then you wrote Arthur as well, so that spoiled it. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> Can I tell you something about Arthur? Yeah, please do. Um, a, a few months ago, I found um, online... I don't know why I was searching for Peter Bainham Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> online, why would you do that? <laughs> Peter Bainham porn movies, maybe. maybe. <laughs> and um, I stumbled on a picture that looked like it was in the style of the cartoonist Joseph Champness, oh, yes. who used to do stuff for you, didn't he? I don't yeah. know if he still does. But no, he looked, did. You know, he did some stuff for this. But morning. it looked very much in his style. Yeah, and it was a cartoon of me and Russell Brand pissing on the grave of Dudley Moore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, Which I thought it was deserved. No, well, no, I don't you know. know. I think yeah. like it, it, it's it's a weird choice to remake mm. anything in some ways. Yes, but in a, you know, Arthur wasn't all the original. Arthur wasn't that great a film. It was not. It was it very was charming. Right. But it's just Dudley Moore. Like he was so. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, he's, he's loved and he was yeah. good, good in mm-hmm. it. Yes. But it wasn't like his... 
best. The best stuff's when he's swearing with Peter Cook. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what he should have carried on doing. He shouldn't have <laughs> gone off to Hollywood and do those films. Yeah, uh, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's, you, may, you don't know. Well, we, we had Russell on, and, we talk, yeah. and I took the piss out of Arthur, obviously. Mm. And uh, off... Because that's what I did. That's what I'm here for. To, to... I like to think I helped him go in a new direction in his career. Because he's, he's doing really good st- stuff now. And I don't yeah. think that, that was particularly what he should have been doing anyway. You know, I, I think he would probably say that. But he, yeah, I'm, I'm panicking I, now. I know. I think possibly. I mean, it's a yeah. weird, but that's a weird story. You know, you get swept along with something, yes. and you don't get as a writer and a performer. You get a certain yeah. amount of choice about what you're doing, but also things come yes. up and you make it go, oh, well, let's give this a go. You don't yeah. know how it's going to turn out. No, that's I mean, what I, he yeah. was saying about it. You know, he said, oh, yeah. you know, this could have turned out great. Helen Mirren, Helen Mirren was in yeah. it. Peter Bainham's writing for it. Yeah. And he's a, he's a, Russell's a massive fan of all the stuff we used to do. Right. So he would have been very excited <laughs> about having you in, you in writing for it. Well, it was weird. Like, I got the call. You know, my agent called me. <laughs> sort of Ronnie got my hand. The heavens opened. And... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, my agent, my agent, such a dick, doesn't it? Um, but and said, "Do you want to do a remake of um, Arthur with Russell Brand?" And I went, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I did, <laughs> and I liked him, but I thought no, because it, it, it is a, the original's got some really nice moments. Yeah, it's no, charming. No. It's not a brilliant movie, but it's charming, and it's got lots of funny, semi-iconic bits in it. Sure. And I thought, no, that's ridiculous. Why? Why would you do that? And then I went along, and, I, and they said, "Well, you well, just have the meeting." And I went and met him, and he was lovely, and he is, and he's very charming. Yeah. And he says your name a lot, which I just fall for instantly. If somebody <laughs> says my name, you know, when you used to say Pete, you stole my bread, Pete. Do you think it's funny that my granddad's died, Pete? I will just, I'm, I'm like a cat with some milk, yeah. you know. And, um, and so I just, and then, and then, funny enough, and then when it came out and bombed, it's funny how you then, when you make odd decisions, you then go back to that original instinct and go, why, no, no, I should have just followed that, you know, it's a good yeah. lesson in following your initial in cuttings sure but then sometimes you know, those things turn out to be yeah, like amazing so do, yeah. there's no you know there's no way of yeah. knowing actually before I went out to do Borat when I got the call for that I remember like quite a lot of people here saying to me I don't know like it's a funny thing in the Ali G show it's kind of a but a movie I mean people said that to me nah, yeah. nah and they just and I nearly I just turned it down right I, he called me and, and said and I, and I rang him back and left a message and said um you know, and I was doing, I was writing a, a bad sitcom about myself, and and I turned him down, and then I went to the pub with my friend Jez and said, yeah, I'm not going to do that Borat thing, and he said, are you fucking mad? <laughs> and I instantly went, oh my God, you're right, and I rang him up like, no, please morning. let me do it, I'm sorry, I won't, All right, and I'm I very sorry, paid. <laughs> and I said like, and I rang him up and I said like, I'm, I'm sorry, I've got no dignity, but I want to reverse my <laughs> position completely. Because I give, I give one of those wanky answers where I, no, I'm really going to follow what I'm, I've got responsibilities. And then I said, I'm sorry, that was whole shit what I said on the phone yesterday. <laughs> and I got no dignity, and, and to his great, he said, I've got no dignity either. And obviously, didn't you know? It's, you've seen the movie you know like balls, but it's incredible you know, that these fights and <laughs> balls in his face that's but, you true know, you know yes. <laughs> it's incredible that I mean and again it's it's not incredible but it's all these people want to work with you and you're sort of behind yeah. all these you know you, and in, in my, I'm, I'm Alan Partridge I can sort of see the bits obviously I got that one wrong but I can usually yes. see the bits that are Peter Bainham you know that right. you've written because I know you so well but mm-hmm. you know you're working with all these you know that, that's those are all yeah. the most important people of 
you know, the mm. last 20 or 30 years are asking mm. for you to write for That's them. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. And there was, a, the other, there was a documentary about you, wasn't there, on the Welsh radio? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> You're the greatest I writer to radio... ever come out of Wales. I forgot about the internet. I forgot maybe BBC iPlayer where I can... <laughs> I can come out of Wales. Did you hear it? I haven't heard it. I haven't heard it. Okay, yes. Because yes, so we weren't asked to be on it, so I thought, oh, they didn't ask us to comment. Oh, I I'd gave just, them I'd names. Just, I'd have just said, he, okay. just, he doesn't put the bread back in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you some, uh, this is the most question I've written especially for you. Is sex with a Frankenstein cheating? If you're in a relationship with someone, and yes. but you have sex with a Frankenstein, yes. Um, is that cheating? No, it's no. A, no, it feels like it's a very strange form of masturbating. <laughs> because, I know, it's a, Frank, it's a Frankenstein conscious. Yes, the yes. Frankenstein is made out of the... Right. Uh, ...several p- corpses stitched together. Right. And then reanimated. And, right. and that's the whole point, you know. Is, right. is he, uh, right. Does he have rights and a soul? And is yeah, he a like person? a robot. Like it well, no, a robot's different. I haven't asked you the robot question. It's a new, <laughs> this is a new question. Right, because Frankenstein, it should um, be Frankenstein's monster. I know I'm getting it wrong. Yes, uh, he, yes, he, you know, he's a yes. loving thing. What yes. if part of the Frankenstein is made of part of your partner? <laughs> My so, partner, what the, the, the body part has been removed. Yeah, well, your partner the... sadly died, and I'm delighted. Yes, um, yeah. But uh, Fra- uh, Dr. Frankenstein comes in again. Yes. <laughs> We've <laughs> built a Frankenstein. I couldn't use most of your partner. Right. But there's a bit of her in there. That's yes. her arm. Am I allowed to know what part is? <laughs> I think you'd recognise, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Go, that's well, her. Yeah. I know that arm. Most of it, yeah. I mean, hands on my The body. penis, I don't think, was there. Yeah. Jean Valjean's massive yes. penis. Yeah. <laughs> So when it's then, if that's the only way to... Yes. I'm, just, I'm, I'm just putting forward some possibilities. Yes. Because the marriage vows are very strict on stuff like this, so I'm just... Yes. Are they specific about this? <laughs> but they are. What there's, marriage vows are specific about having there's sex? There's gaps in the marriage vows. Reanimated partial corpse of your partner. They don't mention this. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You've got to find the loopholes. Right. And so I think I personally say, I would say having sex with Frankenstein is cheating. Yes. Because it's a different person. And it's alive. It's not a robot mm. or a puppet. Right. But say my wife would sadly die, and yes. then there was a Frankenstein. It had a bit of a face, right? Yeah, and maybe a bum. Right. Then, Are you talking about a male Frankenstein with your partner's, your female partner's face? Well, um, you don't necessarily get the choice of what right. sex is going to be. Okay. Because it's just whatever bits are lying around, isn't it? And they're, yes. and they're fresh enough to reuse. Are we I mean, assuming in all of this that you are capable of, <laughs> capable of this? That you somehow in this scenario ca- can get aroused by this yeah. horrifying... <laughs> <laughs> it might, it might, some Frankensteins are better looking yeah. than other ones. All right, yes, yes. What if oh. you had sex with someone who's had an organ transplant from your partner so maybe they've been given one of your partner's kidneys <laughs> right yeah so it's a different person but there's a bit of your partner and they're alive the they're all alive and your partner's still alive right oh is it cheating well because they've just donated a kidney maybe right or they're dead and it's their heart <laughs> is that <laughs> is that cheating 
That's cheating. Okay. Yes. Oh, it's just, I'm just getting your moral compass. Yeah, sort of. I think that's cheating. Sort of. That's wrong, that one. <laughs> I, like, I thought I was very proud of that last night when I was thinking of sleeping, unable to sleep, thinking of all the different parts of that emergency question. Mm-hmm. I thought that's a good one. Right. Let's, have you ever improvised a condom? No. I don't know what to Have you say. ever reused a condom that you'd used once and there wasn't one around, so you put the same one back on again? No. Have you ever no. had sex twice with the same person in a row? Twice with the same person? <laughs> it's a trick question. I'm trying to think. Wait a minute. Well, I've Let's had go sex back. with my wife <laughs> yeah, more than okay. one time. You've got two children. Does that count? Yeah. 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 Um, okay, we'll go back. I thought, the, I thought the Frankenstein was a winner. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever met Adam Sandler in real life? I have. Yeah, have you worked with him? I have. What, what, well, actually, weirdly, I, I wrote the, the cartoon Hotel Transylvania. <laughs> oh, he's in that, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, yes. And I had a meeting with him. I went to his yeah. Hawaiian-themed office right. on the lot at Sony Pictures. Oh, yeah. And met him one time, and, and yeah. Is he a nice guy? He was nice, yeah. yes. And then I, I went away, and I never saw him again, and then they made the movie. Yeah. And... Used when partially they... used the Frankenstein. <laughs> <in my> sc- <laughs> they used the organs of my script to, you know. Um, yes, and then somebody else. But yeah, yeah. Hmm? He's good. He's a good need. Um, Adam Sandler. He's in that Mayor Owitz story. Yeah, that? that's meant to be very good. I, yeah. I can yeah. watch it. So I keep watching bits of. Yeah, I watched a bit of it, and then there wasn't enough of him putting on the shoes of people and turning into them <laughs> in it for me yeah. yeah were you waiting for that to happen <laughs> yeah. were even three minutes before the end of the movie going there's still time <laughs> when's he going to come on playing his own sister that's what I was yeah. waiting for wearing a shoe okay hmm. um, yeah I was uh, you know that's there, that's there don't worry don't worry that's the people there's some requests from the audience okay <laughs> we'll come back to that um, I've looked at your YouGov. You know, there's a YouGov profile of what your your, your ultimate fan is. And my what? There's a, like there's YouGov do these profiles of everyone. Yes. And you can find out what your fan is, what your main fan, what's, what's unique about your fans. Seriously? Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're, they're everyone, <laughs> inclu- including you. Your your fans primarily work in mining and quarry. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's their main occupation. Right. And <laughs> their favourite quarries. Team... <laughs> yeah, quarries and mining. Their favourite TV show is Andrew Marr's History of the World, <laughs> which I think is funnier than, than um, the mining. Yes, <laughs> a lot of miners. Yes. Going, Do you like Peter Bainham? Yep. Do you like what's your favourite show? Andrew Marr's History of the World. <laughs> I've done YouGov for a while. Is that um, actually a real Yeah, one? that's a real website. You can look up yougov.com and put say, your name in, or anyone's name, and you can find out yes. what their fans like. Is it, I, don't, I think it's based on an algorithm where it tells you it's not actually what's the most popular answer, it's what's the most un, unique to you answer. So what happens is they've yes. asked uh, ten people, and right. two of them work in quarrying and mining, and nobody else's fans work in quarrying and mining. Right. I would say, but that's I don't so strange. Um, what is Chris Morris like in real life? He's nice. Yeah, that's what I've thought. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
Do you remember when you used to do my favourite thing we used to do on the radio show, which was yours, was mm. Mad Thoughts? Do you remember the oh, Mad yeah. Thoughts? Yes. Do you, well, do you have any favourite mad thoughts? That you, can you give an example of mad My thoughts? Fa- favourite's difficult, isn't it? Because it's like ringing, leaving message about the serial killer <laughs> killing. You know, it's like in favourite implies you want to do those things. And, yeah. You know, my most common one would be being on the train and sitting opposite some sweet old man, and I'd have a cup of hot tea and just imagining what if I just threw the hot tea in the old man's face. Yeah. And then he would be screaming in pain. And then I would go... In an instant, you'd have an entire, like, very, very detailed scenario of the aftermath of the hot tea in the old man's face. And, you know, then it's just quite often in a meeting in L.A. I'll have a meet. I'll have just think of just something awful, (laughs) awful to say to the person I'm in the meeting with. Then that would be... And then I'd have to go home and say to my wife, I said this thing in the meeting... And I just said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. So, like it's, you know, and, or... That was basically my meeting with Channel 4, to be honest. That's <laughs> <laughs> probably why I'm not doing so well with the script writing. Mm. Um, there well, was the idea... Pushing people on cheap platforms. Yeah, obviously. but do you... Uh, fo- yeah. Well, but do you that's worry... A, that's a big one, yeah. As you get... I mean, this is... I, but I had... I realised uh, once you've got kids, you have them all the time, like horrible yes. things where imagining what you, the worst thing that could happen to your yes. kids and your culpability in some of those yes. things. So it's, it's an awful, awful thing. Mm. Um, but, you know, do you worry... In, I did a routine about it, and then the worry that, you know, some, you might go mad and actually yes. do those things. I mean, my... You know, when my... She's now 10. Uh, my, my 10-year-old was, was born. I remember we got her home from the hospital, and she was looking so adorable and lovely and innocent and... Uh, and I remember saying to my wife, imagine if we left her in a forest. <laughs> <laughs> and she cried. <laughs> yeah. Mums don't like it as much. Mums don't like these. <laughs> no, she's just had a baby. There's hormonal yeah. activity. Yeah. There's a very powerful, instinctive mother bear yeah. urge. And then she's got the image in her head of that baby being alone yeah. in a forest yeah and she cried as a pattern of just yeah. I'm a horrible person obviously yeah. to say these things but um, but then I do imagine I have that side of it which I got from my dad actually of just if something if I don't hear from my wife for like you know I call her and I don't hear back from her I then I'm tortured by the mad thoughts of she's obviously been murdered and yes. you know obviously my dad used to do that he used to just say I would, I'd come home from the pub when I'd go home to Cardiff and he would say, I imagine you were in a ditch and the tar had crashed and the steering column was going right through your stomach. <laughs> but it is, yeah. but it makes life sort of unbearable because yes. you can't really enjoy anything for the fear of... Yes. It's, it comes out... Well, I think it's, 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 there's yeah. meant to be a, 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 reason, you know, a reason for this, like, in, uh, mm. through evolution, that if you well, worry about those things... Well, yeah, that you'll stop... Because so, you make yourself think of the worst possible thing, so yeah. you don't do it, because it's yes. so horrible. But then it's also... There's something that makes... There's some impulse in you, for some reason, that makes... And some of them just aren't helpful. Yes. There's some of them aren't, like, this, is, no. this will help you in your life. It's like, this is awful. You're making me think terrible things that aren't yeah. possibly... Like, I, I, my, when my daughter was born and I was having all these mad thoughts, mm-hmm. there was a voice of my head generally saying, what, you know, some people generally do go crazy, though, and do these awful things to their kids. What if you're oh, one yeah. of those what people? What if I do that? And yeah. you go... 
but how does that help me to yes. suggest to suggest that I should disobey the voice? Well, this is the thing specifically. The voice and well, it's very much not. But the horrible thing about the mad thoughts is, aren't even what if I did this? It's what if I do this? Yeah. What if I actually do drive her to a forest and just gently set the? <laughs> Sorry. My wife cannot now hear this, this show. Um, yeah, horrible. We'll send you a version with that, this bit in. Okay. <laughs> you can play to her. But it's true, my, 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 surprisingly, my wife is similar when I talk about what if I trip and my son ends up in the wood burner. Um, <laughs> or what if I just place him in there? Be all, I mean, it'd be really bad. I, don't, I won't do it because it would be so bad. Yes. I had somebody tell me, like, when, be, before I had kids, like, when we, I think around about the time we would do those mad thoughts. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and he said, wait till you have kids. You won't say that stuff then. Yeah. Absolute bollocks. Yeah. It just it doesn't go away. <laughs> just like the horrible stuff. Yeah. Just That's the, the thing about dark humor. It's not like you sit there trying to think of awful things. No. It's just certain warped people, this stuff enters your head. But it's like you know? they. Well, I did a joke, but a similar joke about that because, like, people say, "Oh, when you got kids, you won't do jokes about paedophiles or paedophilia because mm-hmm. you know you won't, you won't be able to stand it. You won't." And now I've got kids. I've I've realised they were right because now I've got kids. I've realised paedophilia is really bad, isn't it? Yeah, I, uh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't realise before. Yeah. Before I just thought it was a bit of fun. You know, it's like the idea. <laughs> the idea that when you were doing those jokes, that the, mm. that you were somehow serious. You know, you were yeah. like they, they said, yeah. oh, you know, you know, it would be bad if you ch- you left yeah. your child in the forest. Oh God! Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Well, now not. I say yeah. that. These... <laughs> what did you think the joke was? The joke is the, th- the thing I'm saying is the worst possible. Thing. The thing that scares me the most is the whole, and I do it a lot. Is like the terror, which I'm the, the most scary thing is. But this is something I'm very capable of: is leaving my child somewhere. <laughs> just, just putting, especially in LA where you drive all over the place. Right. The other day I was somewhere with with my daughter Neris, and I, and I thought. And I had to look around. Oh my god! Because I forgot, even though I was holding her hand, I was spacing out, and on the tube going somewhere with her, and I yeah. just thought, <gasps> like, what if I've left her? <laughs> you have to you concentrate, know. Pete. It's one of the yeah, main okay, things about yeah. being a parent. <laughs> about parenting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just of, fearing this bit of this podcast is one day going to be used in a court case. Where yes. he yes. did say he often just yeah, forgot yes. he had kids. Yes, yeah. <laughs> left him on the tube and in a forest. Do you think it'd be wrong to have to surgically your child surgically <laughs> grafted to you so that you can never leave them? No, I don't think that'd be wrong. I think it'd okay. be good. <laughs> so I will ask you. Oh my goodness, time flies by, doesn't it? Um, it's been a, so, lots of fun talking to you. And we've had. There's so much more that I could talk to you about. I will ask you this question as it's been requested from the audience. Uh, If you had to be in a human centipede with two other people, if you had to be, and you're aware of the human centipede phenomenon, I'm sorry we've lowered the tone. Um, You're in the middle, but you get to choose who's at the other, whose anus your mouth is stitched to and whose mouth is stitched to your anus. Right. Which two people would you choose? and and Who Um, would be in front of you and who would be behind uh, Donald Trump and Mike Pence, because I would sacrifice myself for the horror they would have to go through. I would be, no, that's not true, is it? <laughs> well, none of it's true. But yes. I'm so I'm mm. like slightly, you know, I feel slightly worried for my expat friends out in right out in, in America now mm-hmm. who are writing satirical comedy. John Oliver and you are mm-hmm. writing. For, you know, and you you often tweet Donald Trump and tell him what a prick you think he is, basically. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, and but do you, are you? Mm. Cons- I mean, it's concerning mm. the way the world's going. Yes. But do you ever worry that you know he, he might gain so much power that he can sort of take his vengeance on as he would like to on uh, these people he, who mock him because he hates being mocked. Yes, uh, and he's uh, got that instinct, hasn't he? It's like when I became a citizen of the United States, yeah. which is a horrifying... No, no, but I did it before him. I didn't do it because Donald Trump... <laughs> I know how I'm going to celebrate the election of Donald Trump. I'm going to become a But I remember having to learn about the Constitution, and it's so incredibly boringly detailed in its kind of way that it's designed to stop dictators. Yeah. Except, obviously, Donald Trump gets in. And the terrifying thing is he's got an instinct to autocracy... And it's very hard, isn't it? Because he makes a j- he ma- probably a joke. But when he said the other day about the Chinese president yeah. becoming like a president for life, and hey, we should maybe try that. But it's that kind of thing when people make jokes about stuff where you go, but you're just joking about that because you yeah. love that idea, you know? And um, I, I don't know. I, it's just it, the whole thing's frightening. And I think it could happen because I think what he's waiting for, to be honest, is a huge terrorist. You know, when he gets some, the, the theory is he'll make some sort of power grab and shut down the press if there's a big, if there's a war. If he yeah, goes to yeah. war with North Korea, he can shut down the press and then he can, you know, take. Yeah, over. How, do you think? I mean, it's it's mm. almost inconceivable. But then everything's happened so far; it's been yeah. quite inconceivable. Well, that's it. Everyone, nobody thought any of it would happen. So now yeah. it's all like I'm pretty sure he'll win the next election because what a horrible thing to say. But, <laughs> but like uh, that's almost like some weird, mad thoughts, insulation against it happening. You know, you think like, it's just. It seems, yeah, very possible. And but the thing know. is, like the you know, it's sort of so easy in America as we're seeing to kill lots of people. Yes, and yet no terrorists are managing. The Americans are doing a lot better at it than the the terrorists. Yes, on the whole. Oh yeah, well, it's all those. And like, so that, it just would make you think this is crazy. This is yeah. you know, it's crazy to be scared of terrorism yes. when the you know the the yeah. danger is much closer to home mm-hmm. than. Than terrorists. I know, but there's no obviously. That's the frightening thing about it. That's what it feels like. Elements of it feel like when countries swing to the right because they've got somebody in power who feeds on that. It's like, and obviously, the cliche and the truth is that uh, here as well, that people are more afraid of foreigners, more afraid of the less they know. So, if you live in a city, if you live in a major city where there's like it's a you know it's a big mix of all kinds of cultures, there's no. You know, people aren't living in constant fear, but you go out to, like, Iowa or Idaho and you go to Alabama and you go into a place where just everyone's right. They're absolutely terrified there yeah. that they're going to get blown up. You know, they're just living... And whereas, like, people go around big cities not living with that fear. Yeah. And so it's, there's nothing... There's just nothing rational about it, you know. And, um, but I live in the ridiculous elite bubble of uh, California where it's... For now. For now. Until, until you know, they come and what? take you away at night. Yeah, put you, in a, do. put you in a gulag. Okay, he likes the Russians, so you know there's every chance, <laughs> every chance that might happen. Yeah. I, 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 if it does happen, Pete, yeah, I won't even be delighted. I'll be upset if you are if you are, <laughs> if you are murdered by Donald Trump. I'll yes. be pretty peeved about that. Yeah, and That's I will the tell him. Thing I will tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell him. Then I'll you play. Can be delighted. Then I'll you send can be delighted. him. I'll send him a copy of this podcast and I go. Actually, yeah, I'm glad that guy. That is. It's good yeah. that guy's it's horrible things he said about leaving his daughter <laughs> in a forest. So look, we're gonna we're gonna have to stop because um, okay. you know these people have to get home. I live in Hertfordshire now. I have, to, I have to get a train. It's ridiculous. Um, but it's been so lovely to see you, and you're overdoing some 
stuff in the UK writing some yeah. more uh, animated you've been writing animated cartoon. kids films yeah yeah, yeah. An, an, an animated cartoon yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow yeah that a I'm new thing any of those live action cartoons yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see we'll hear lots more from you uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's fantastic to talk to you ladies and gentlemen it's Peter Maynard to catch us please to catch us the music is by Pest. The uh, people I have to thank uh, everyone at the British Comedy Guide, everyone at the Square Theatre, everyone at Go Faster Stripe, especially Chris Evans, not that one. My producer, of course, I'm indebted to is Ben Walker. And this is a Skype potato because it's the worst titles I've ever done. This is a Skype potato fuzz and Go Faster Stripe.com production. Goodbye! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.